Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the second episode of Cast Iron, a podcast about metal. I am Lewis Clark from UK Scum Scene, and I'm joined once again by my cohort, Alan Williamson from 5 Out of 10. Hello, Alan. Good evening. How are you doing, sir? I am very good, thanks. I have taken up swimming. All right. Okay. Interesting. So, uh, so yeah, there's your fun Alan fact. No, yeah, yeah <laughs> I've just, that, that's the main thing on my mind. I've taken up swimming. Apart from the album we're about to discuss, obviously of course, that's on of my course. mind. What have you been listening to in your spare time? Um, I've been listening to this sixth album over and over, trying to drill it into my head and working okay, through their okay. back catalogue. I've also been listening to, oh, uh, In Morning. I was listening to some of them. Okay. Uh, I've been listening to the new Enslaved album called End Times. Cool. And I've also been listening to a bit of uh, Duran Gray because we're going to see them in a couple of weeks. We are indeed. Um, um, I've been listening to Silosis almost religiously at the moment. because Oh, is uh, this um, a Dormant Hard? I've had that for a little while, but I realised I was missing Monolith, uh, which I recently got in Glasgow because I was up for the weekend to see friends and um, yeah I really like that album quite a lot um, it's taken me a little while to sort of click with Silosis because um, I absolutely adore their first album because it's really quick and punchy and mm-hmm. doesn't muck around but um, ever since they lost their original vocalist uh, in favour of just their guitarist now does the vocals as well um, yeah it feels like things are drawn out a little bit more and um, they, they spend a lot more time just sort of trying to get to the point so uh, yeah um, Sort of trying to teach myself how to like longer Silosis songs, <laughs> basically. So yeah, I think it was. I think it was you recommended uh, Dormant Heart to me, actually. Yeah, um, well, um, it's it, it's more of a return to sort of the quicker, sort of punchier songs of their of their earlier stuff. So yeah, it's good though. It's good though. But uh, speaking of what's in our hearts, um, <laughs> so in the the first episode we introduced ourselves and we talked a bit about how the podcast got formed. Uh, but one thing that we talked about after the show, which was that we didn't really explain the philosophy behind it and why we're doing this and what we hope to get out of it. Mm. Um, so um, Cast Iron is a discussion about music from two people who care a lot. It is not objective. This isn't a marks out of 10 thing. And while our taste in music is inarguably impeccable, we are not here to tell you what to like. We're just here to share it with you, um, things that we like, and we hope that you really like that too. So that was just um, to make sure you understood that this isn't us bringing down the rock tablets from Mount Sinai. And no, it is no. very much a bringing you into our world, hopefully sharing a bit of our knowledge uh, of, you know, our, even ourselves and our experiences. Um, but yeah, just helping you navigate through metal rather than giving you the map and telling you to follow the trail. No, no, of course. I'm glad we established that as well, because um, in certain metal communities, there's a, there's a certain level of elitism with uh, how oh. people listen to the music. And <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I really don't want to spread that sort of vibe. I really want people to just enjoy or dislike whatever the hell they want, um, because yeah, opinions are completely open <laughs> there's you can mm. you can be as uh you know unique as you want if you like something then that's great if you don't like something then that's great as well and i and i think if you didn't get that from the overall tone of the podcast the fact that you know lewis totally crapped on one of my favorite bands <laughs> was a good uh good indication so speaking of people crapping on us uh, we've got a bit of feedback from the first episode in a section i like to call the ironing board cool so first one was uh smart comments good jokes and Alan doing a scary movie announcer voice at one point. That's from our <laughs> friend Will. He's uh, at Dark Wedge on Twitter. I'm not, I'm not sure what the scary movie announcer voice is, but um, um, I think it was when we were talking about Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. So yeah. Okay. Okay. Which would make um, sense, I, I suppose. 
I need to I need to watch my ridiculous voices apart from the <laughs> accent I'm currently using, which is unfortunately my real voice. Um, another comment, which was "Brave New World" was a better album than Parslave, and we should have picked that. That was from absolutely everyone on the internet. Um, I got a text message. It said uh, Lewis's opinions about Steve Harris were boiling my piss at the start. <laughs> that was from my brother Paul. Um, Sorry, Paul. <laughs> and then uh, here's another one. It made me listen to Maiden all day. I would agree with Paul about the Steve Harris comments. That's one of the reasons made in there. Great. That's from my other brother, Daniel <laughs> Williamson, in the same comment thread. So thanks to my brothers, <laughs> who are also massive Iron Maiden fans. Um, but we're, we're here to boil your piss. Um, at, le- at, least if you're, at least if your piss is boiling or even mildly bubbling, that does mean that you care about what we have to say. And that's what matters to us. And we have one question as well. So we asked on... Oh, okay. We, we asked on Twitter for two things. We asked, uh, what are some of your favorite albums? It's yep. really good because... Um, there's a wide mix in there, but they also picked some of the albums that we would love to cover in future episodes. Oh, very much so, very much so. So that is very nice indeed. Um, so we also asked for your questions. We got one question, and the question was, why is Alan such a cutie? That uh, was from our friend uh, Verinder in Toronto. Um, oh, that's and, a secret. You can't, you can't well, know that. Well, I would say <laughs> jeans, exercise, and vegetables. But, uh, <laughs> back back to the swimming. Okay, yeah. No, but, that's uh, a very fair uh, point, yeah, yeah. and it's re- the reason why I'm not the cutie. So there you go. <laughs> oh no, no, he, we have a very special relationship <laughs> over the internet. I guess we need to move on to the main event, which is uh, your album of choice for this week. So it was Lewis's choice, and you chose. I chose sixth debut album. The trees are dead and dried out. Wait for something wild. Now, before we kick off with actually discussing the tracks of throws, we have a bit of uh, history as to what was going on with the band at this sort of time. Um, so, uh, the trees are dead and dried out uh, was released in two thousand three, and if you want to think about sort of the context of when this was released this is the same year that linkin park released meteora so we're pretty much in the thick of new metal era at the moment Um, we're we're ankle deep yeah pretty much um (laughs) no no, that's not deep at all we're 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 up there wasting it yeah no very yeah definitely (laughs) ankle Um, deep god sorry (laughs) it's all good don't worry about it um but yeah so that gives you sort of the idea of what's the uh, sort of era that this was being released in so you can imagine um, six guys from Watford playing absolutely bonkers tech metal would have sounded a bit out of place. <laughs> um, so I was familiar with Sixth uh, prior to the release of their debut album. I got into them sort of early 2002. I saw them live first and um, Visible Noise uh, are... are you may be aware of the label. Um, they've released things by Bulletproof by Valentine and Bring Me the Horizon. Sort of broke them into the mainstream. And uh, they used to do a club night in London called Subverse. And it was sort of a matinee, all ages show. Uh, really diverse lineups. You get like punk and ska next to new metal and rock bands and things. And it was, it was always really good. Sun. And it was like three quid to get in and it's like i say all ages really good really good way those, to be introduced those were the days yeah those yeah days. no fantastic but like it was an absolutely brilliant way to be introduced to just lots of heavy music and um really sort of formative for me and yeah sixth played one of them and and abs- i always remember it quite vividly because it still remains the only show i've ever crowd surfed at so, it's just yeah. back when they were called fifth. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that joke oh. in there. I, I thought of it during the intro and couldn't help myself. Um, so you, you actually crowd surfed. What happened? Did you get to the front and then one of the, the guards whisked you away? Or? <laughs> no, no. Well, I, I 
because the the way the stage worked, there was no barrier sort of thing. So you just sort of like climbed up onto what was essentially just a small platform. It wasn't really a stage as such. Um, and then leaped into the crowd. But um, depending on how lucky you were, they'd either put you back on the stage or off off the back of the stage. I was lucky. They put me back on the stage and I just sort of wandered off. But good, uh, as good. you can imagine, uh, it looks a bit awkward. It's just some kids just being chalked back on the stage. <laughs> I, remember, I remember the first time I saw somebody crowd surfing. We were at a Metallica gig. It must have been 2000. Two, okay. two. They were touring Saint Anger. Yep, <laughs> that's another story for another day. Um, <laughs> and um, this guy was in front of us, and he was like, "Lift me up, lift me up." So we lifted this guy up, and he started to crowd surf, and he vanished. He just vanished into this <laughs> massive stadium crowd. Yeah, well, that was the that's first what time I've seen it, it happen. I just yeah. thought he's not coming back. He's he's dead. <laughs> he's, he, he he's gone to to Asgard or something. I didn't know. First <laughs> metal gig I've been to. I didn't know what happened. I thought he just crowd surfed forever into a massive grinder at the back or something. <laughs> well, that's so, that, that's how it'd go down at sort of like a metalocalypse show, I suppose. <laughs> um, so so did you get into sixth? Um, so yeah, should have been. were promoting this album or no? Because so you been, sent me some of the EPs prior to that yeah, as well. So two thousand. Two, they released two EPs throughout the year. The first one being Let the Transmitting Begin, um, which includes Such the Fall, If You Weren't So Perfect, and Hold My Finger, which all appear on the debut album in different mm-hmm. forms. The second EP, released later on in the year, was uh, How May I Help You, which again uh, is is on the album. Um, but it also includes a song which is completely exclusive to it called Suffice. And it um, it's quite important because it's the first sixth song ever written and they sort of re-recorded it and put it on the EP and the last song on that EP is the cover of Tupelo which also appears on the album um, which I'm looking forward to talking about actually because it's quite an intriguing little thing Um, but yeah so those those two EPs um, like I say came out in 2002 and I was basically following the band through the cycle of you know the touring cycle for both of those and then in 2003 they dropped the album so yes uh, the album uh, The Trees Are Dread and Dried Out, Wait For Something Wild, uh, starts with Scent of the Obscene. Uh, there's, I've got um, the album here because there's lots of uh, liner notes and things that talk about the, the songs. And this is apparently one oh, of okay. the, la- the last songs released, uh, sort of written for the album, actually. Um, so, yeah, conceived mid-2002. So, during the cycles for the previous EPs, but not, you know, <laughs> obviously earlier on when the EPs were written, sort of like mid 2000, 2001, I would have thought. Well, a lot um, of these, a lot of these debut albums, they are you know, mashups and reiterations of. Yeah, I, how, how do you feel about that actually? Because like, I always have a bit of a touching. It's a bit, a bit of a touchy subject for me because sometimes I really like hearing re-recordings, but sometimes I feel like if you if you're so familiar with EPs prior, then to hear those songs just churned out again for a debut album kind of feels a bit lazy. Uh, I don't know because he because these songs need time to evolve. Like yeah. one of the one of those I like I like those demo tracks and I like hearing the progression. Um mm-hmm. uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, there was stuff like um hearing some of the stuff off uh, Red Hot Chili Pepper Stadium Arcadium when those songs um they had worked out the music but not necessarily the lyrics, which is not very surprising because well, Red yeah. Hot Chili Pepper lyrics are gibberish. Um <laughs> But the gibberish changes over time. The other one that immediately springs to mind, you'll be really familiar with, is mm. the um, him uneasy listening album. Oh yes, have yeah, the yeah, yeah. six one six version of Buried Alive by Love, and um, I and I love that version. And that was the one on the Bam Margera skate tapes. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, it's also th- that's a running theme actually, because um, if you if you have a, um, the singles for a lot of stuff, they actually release six one six versions of lots of different songs, and it basically just 
the demo version of the song before it was uh, recorded properly for for the record. And uh, yeah, there's a there's a really good six one six version of "And Lord Said No" as well. But but I wouldn't call it I wouldn't yeah. call it lazy. I think it depends um, on the on the album. And one of the things like I I did my homework and I listened to the EPs, and it was actually very hard for me to tell the difference between the versions of the tracks. Oh, and okay. I think that's and I, and I think that's you because you've grown up with this album. You've well, this is the thing. Over, um, and, and for me, I'm. Very much a novice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's very, it's hard <laughs> to pick out the differences. Well, for me, this is the thing. This becomes a sticking point actually for me listening to this record. Is that I can't tell whether or not I like I like the EP versions more than the album versions because I was so familiar with the songs. But regardless, let's kick off things with "Center of the Obscene." So. This is the album opener, and uh, yeah, pretty much establishes what you're in for for the rest of the record. So um, <laughs> this is uh, technical um, progressive metal, I suppose, in the gent mold that we currently call now. It's very, it's very genty, and we should yep. explain what gent is. Gent is not a genre, really. It is a, mm. it's a style of playing, and it's onomatopoeic. So gent is the kind of noise that the guitar makes. That's why yep, it's yep. that's why it's called gent. But it's not necessarily a subgenre. Um, I've got a couple of albums I've picked out as being genty for a yep. further listening at the end. Um, so we're not going to too much detail about those. But um, that's what gent means. It's a specific guitar playing style. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, the the chord in particular that it refers to is sort of a. Um is that it comes from sugar? Like they always, they always talk yeah, about that, that yeah. being sort of the origin for that, and it's a very it's a palm muted um, sort of chord, hence the gent like the the instant cut off sort of thing. But yeah, so um, that this is quite um, influ- This album's pretty influential to uh, UK tech metal, um, and it sort of establishes a lot of the. Uh, Tropes. I, I, I hate that word, but you know, uh, <laughs> um, if for want the of cliches a better term. and yeah, uh, that come with this uh, that come with this genre. And um, th- one of the things I really like about Sixth and this this album in particular is established straight away in sense of the, center of the obscene is that the songs are not particularly progressive; they're just very technical because the structure, especially with center of the obscene, is verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge chorus which is very much a pop song structure and yeah, but, um, but one thing that happens is that the the style of the song changes which makes it slightly more proggy um yeah and yeah. And, and even though as you say it does the usual verse chorus verse type thing mm. it the mood of it shifts and that's what gives it that more proggy feel for me because you've yeah, got yeah. that really interesting technical chanty kind of riff and the slappy bass line at the start yeah, but then but, as you move to the chorus you've got a much cleaner kind of I guess more standard rock chord progression. In the middle, you've got that nice lighter section that I really like. Yeah. Um, so for me, um, first first experience of sixth. I don't know at what point we're going to talk about these vocals. But yeah, yeah. So we we should probably actually talk about the lineup because there are six yeah. men in sixth and two of them are vocalists. <laughs> uh-huh. And this is obviously quite an a bizarre thing because uh, an awful lot of the time, uh, one vocalist can pretty much carry a band, but uh, sixth sort of have a good uh, playoff between the two vocalists. So the screamer, I suppose, is Mikey Goodman. Yeah. And um, he is bizarre. Let's put it that way. A very peculiar plenty, individual. In plenty that. of ways I can put it, but we're <laughs> trying to make this a clean podcast. Yeah, uh. yeah. Um, so uh, Mikey Goodman is 
influenced quite heavily by Nick Cave in that uh, he has this weird sort of cartoony characteristic voice that uh, all these weird sort of sounds and guttural noises and just he sounds absolutely off his head Um, (laughs) uh, but considering the music is equally just as mad he suits the band I think perfectly um, and then there's also Justin Hill, who I would suppose is the clean vocalist. He does, but both both vocalists do sing and scream, but for all intents and purposes, one is more of a screamer than the other. And Justin Hill, I would say, is more of the uh, the singer. And uh, he's got. Does he, uh, does he play any other instruments, or is he? Just, no, no, he he's, he's literally just another singer. Okay. And. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to <laughs> undersell the man because he's a. I think he's a fantastic vocalist, but um, he's his voice is very sort of uh, sugary, almost like a sort of emo vocal um, that I would, I would sort of liken to things like, I don't know, My Chemical Romance, you, you, whatever. Yeah, sort of, it reminded know. me a little bit of. Someone like Bullet or something like that, where you've got that yeah, clean yeah. singing. It's it's better than Bullet because their clean singing is pretty bad. But <laughs> it's good. But it's got that. It's good. It's got a slight English accent to it, which yeah, yeah. is actually which I really like actually. So um, um, yeah, Justin in particular, he 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 deals pretty much solo with the with the bridge uh, on this song where it sort of mm-hmm. slows down and takes a, a gentler moment. And um, yeah, I I really like the texture that both vocalists bring because um, they use Mikey obviously very heavily for heavier more intense yeah. moments of the songs and when things lighten up a little bit justin comes into play and gives it gives it a nice burst of melody so yeah um i, I want to know how you feel about the vocalists because uh <laughs> well um as i wrote i wrote my notes as i worked through it from track to track mm. um the first track i said the screaming vocals are off-putting but the clean vocals are pretty good right. um i would now revise that to say the screaming vocals are extremely off-putting but in this song they're just about okay and the clean vocals i really quite like <laughs> um uh, i do i do like the the clean singing um and whenever i heard the Whenever I heard it for the first time, I thought, oh my God, people are not going to want to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think it, it really is a Marmite thing. And I, yeah, no, I think by the time I got to the end of this album, I, I couldn't, I couldn't stand it anymore. Um, and I will, I've even, I've got some good jokes in there that I've made. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, I yeah. can totally see where you're coming from. I think Mikey is definitely, as you say, a very Marmite vocalist. I think you either love him or you hate him. And um, I've got to say, I really like him because I think he's very characteristic and I like that he brings an element, it's a strange sort of mashup of comedy yet metal vocal you know traditional metal screaming and things um, you like you like silly you like silliness to your well, to your rock you like a bit of lightheartedness i'm not saying i'm not saying i like it poo faced but well you know, no you, no you said even in the first show that you like that kind of thing but um in a weird way as well sixth are quite um important to me in introducing me to odd weird stuff and um listening to that first ep i remember picking up let the transmitting begin and listening to it the first time and just being like what? <laughs> I don't understand this music. Am I supposed to like this? Is there supposed to be a chorus? Is there supposed to be something like I can get my head round? I couldn't. I couldn't hear hooks initially. It took a. It, it took a long time for me to sort of mold meld with that album in a, in a very similar to way actually to the first time I listened to Corn. Actually, it was so sort of uh, out out you know out there and just really bizarre um yeah took, i mean yeah. there's there's bands like corn and because this is all around the same time there's bands like corn yeah, yeah. um slipknot are bands i've never really got into mm-hmm. and i think that this is another album to me that if somebody said oh i'm new to metal you know tell give me give me something to break me into it there was no way i would give them this <laughs> um 
and I think it's only because I have been listening to this album in detail over and over a few times to try and fully appreciate it that I can even begin to get a grasp on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, so, set so, the yeah, obscene. In, in, so there you go. Interesting That's choice for a second episode. This will this will <laughs> separate the the rockers from the wannabes. Well, also there's a good connection here actually to the previous episode. Um, so, "Sent of the Obscene" was chosen as the lead single for the album, and the single has a B-side, which is oh, "Rathchild." Yeah, a re-recording of mm. "Rathchild" by Iron Maiden. Have you listened to that cover? Yeah, I did. It was a good cover. I really liked that actually. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was pretty punchy actually, and like, it made nice. me think, why can't they do all the vocals like that? <laughs> <laughs> but but "Sent of the Obscene" I really liked. Um, I, I like the variation in it. I like the technicality. It filled me with hope for the full album. And to be honest, I wish it was all like this. Um, <laughs> but it is very different. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no worries. Um, for me personally, I'm, I'm not going to continue. I'm not going to say, I love this track. I love this track. I love this track. Because um, this this album's been with me for a very long time. And yeah, yeah I, I, I absolutely adore it. So, um, Sent of the Obscene, I mean... This was a new song for me when I got the album, so um, it was you know something new to learn. Previous, I mean, there's quite a lot of stuff off the previous EPs that get re-recorded, but yeah, this was fun because new song, something different, and uh, yeah, I think it really kicks off the album with a with a nice. An- a nice, a nice uh, example of what the band can do. Yeah, so, no, that's good. It's a good track. I like it. It's one of my, it's one of my favorite ones in the album. So yes, right. Moving on then. Uh, the next song is Pussyfoot. <laughs> Which appears. Um, well, actually, it never did get um, re-released. It never got uh, re-recorded on an EP, but um, there is a demo that features uh, Pussyfoot and Suffice, which are the band's first two songs. So this is a very, very old one. Uh, it actually says on the album liner notes, conceived mid-1999. So this wouldn't oh, gosh. see actual release until this album, so two, four years later. Uh, so yeah, Pussyfoot is pretty much a barrage. <laughs> Uh, pussy, pussy fit, or as, as Mikey Goodman calls it, pussy fit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whenever he announces it. Um, okay, so um, I want, I want to, I want to run this by you because as I was listening to this song, um, this hypothetical scenario went into my head. Okay. Yep. Um, so we go to a restaurant. You and I were celebrating a couple of successful episodes of the podcast. Okay. Okay. And we sit down, and the. Uh, uh, you know, we have a look at the menus and things, and I'm just talking normally to you. And then the waiter comes over and says, oh, "So, uh, have you uh, you've had a look at the menu?" And I say, oh, "I don't know, I need a little more time." Woo! And and the waiter goes, "Okay," and they kind of <laughs> they kind of back off a bit. And then um and then I go back and start talking normally to you, and you go, "What what was that? What what was that about?" And I said, "I I don't know. I just uh, sometimes that's just how I talk." And then um and then the waiter comes over again, slightly more apprehensively this time, and says, "Would you like to order?" And I said, "Oh yeah, I'll get the burger and fries." And he goes, "Oh great!" And I go, "Thank you very much." <laughs> and at that point, we get ejected from the restaurant. So. I think this is me trying to explain what this is like for me to listen to. Um, <laughs> I find the vocals become more annoying as you go through the album and they become harder to ignore. And I, I have a very mixed relationship with screaming at the best of times. Right, um, right. I think some bands do it very well and some don't. I'm not a fan of that kind of black metal, really high-pitched screaming. Okay, the see, I, I really favour that. I think so. it's okay. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh gosh. Um, but um, what I don't like about it is that I find it 
the lyrics somewhat incomprehensible and there's one part where it alternates between both of your ears so it pans between different stereo tracks and that was like an an act of torture and what's really annoying is that it kind of ruins the whole song for me because I thought the drums in particular were incredible Mm -hmm. I'm a real sucker for really great driving bass drums and cheeky little snare fills yeah, yeah. This track for me is worth it for the drums alone. I was what, listening to a couple of drum covers last night to try and break down the album a little bit more. Yeah, um, yeah. and the, the drums in Pussyfoot are really hard hitting, um, and it's got a lot of drive to it. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I've got to say, I'm I'm a little bit upset that you don't you're not into the vocals, but it's understandable. I can completely see where you're coming from. I really but... tried. I really, tr- I really tried. And to be honest, um, the more I listened, the less the less bad it got. But yeah, if you're if you're not into screaming, then something this intense is definitely gonna be a testing experience. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Pussyfoot for me, um, I absolutely adore this song. Um, I've n- known it and listened to it for God knows how long. Um, it's one of the most intense songs on the album. It doesn't have any point where it lets up. It's really really fast. Um, just really creative some of the, I, I think some of my favorite riffs on the album are in this song in particular the one near the end the sort of <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just it, so it does bonkers. a lot of little loopy bits. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they it's just so many bends and niggles, and there's oh, I think the, one, one thing throughout the album is there's lots of different little inflections and tiny little flicks mm, of, definitely, of, definitely. of musical color to it. That's that's really really fun to listen to. I, th- I think um, that's one of the reasons why I really like this song in particular. It just feels like the guitar work in particular is really creative, really just off the wall and bonkers. Um, and yeah, the vocals match it just as well. I think we should probably talk about that, actually the concept of the song because as you were saying, like. Um, you can't really the song the the lyrics are pretty incomprehensible, but the Pussyfoot is actually a song about um, it, it's the sort of I suppose it's Mikey's disdain for people that just sort of follow suit sitting sitting you know our, our sheep follow trends and just don't really do anything for themselves. So um, there's actually uh, the sheep element, in fact, <laughs> becomes quite prevalent at the end of the song where there's a load of bleating. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, subtle. <laughs> so yes, um, he's. I wouldn't. He, he's definitely not a subtle uh, lyricist. It's got to be said, um, and we'll talk about that later on because, uh, yeah. We've got such the fool to talk about. <laughs> but I've got, we'll the, um, I've got the lyrics up in front of me. They're, they're quite interesting. Now you spit back in the face of things that control and dissolve your mind. Why can't you shout out? Why can't you be yourself? Forget what others think. To be proud, to be you, must be you. You don't need to follow. Why not let your mind grow? Why exclude the unknown? Maybe you could also be... And then it, it fades out to the bleeding of sheep. <laughs> so yeah, there you go, nice and deep, but incredibly yeah. obvious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, but, but it, it's it, it's hard. Like a lot of these songs, um, if anybody is listening to this kind of music for the first time, um, don't be surprised that you need to look up the lyrics online because it's not easy to discern for anybody. No, no, even, I've been listening to it for a very long time. Mm, well, I mean, I I only know the lyrics because I've sat there listening to the album with the lyric shit open and you know just reading through the book and because I I do I've got to say part of my enjoyment of listening to music is the physicality of CDs and album liner notes and things like that and um, I do read along to lyrics and things like that and I've uh, sixth um, I think that's it's almost uh, it, it's incredibly important to the sixth experience actually because so much of it is so intense and difficult to understand that um, it's nice to have 
a point of reference. So yeah, um, but yes, uh, I I'd say um, "Pussyfoot" is one of my favourite songs on the album. Um, oh, is it? And, oh, I forgot to ask. Is this your favourite song on the album? Uh, I'm going to say that it is actually. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I was go- I was going to say that's not me cheating. I swear. <laughs> uh-huh. um, no, I I had a lot. Basically, the the older tracks or the more intense stuff was always going to be my choice. And as much as I love uh, such the fool. Um, hold my finger. Uh, how may I help you? Um, yeah, I, I I think the album versions in particular, I, I'm not as keen on. I, I don't think they're as intense. Mm. Um, so yeah, this this version of Pussyfoot, obviously being exclusive to this record, doesn't have that problem. So yeah, Pussyfoot <laughs> kind of wins out for me. So there you go. Right, let's continue. We're now on to Hold My Finger. Which, again, uh, comes off the first EP. Yeah. Do you want to hear my vocal analogy joke? Go on, then. Uh, uh, my notes say, at this point, I was praying for the screaming guy to go away, but he's back <laughs> from the outset. It sounds like a rooster being goaded with a flaming torch. <laughs> well, that's a fantastic image. <laughs> well, um, so yes, this is another quick, uh, heavy, fast track, and uh, the concept for this one um, is, well... I can look at Mikey's notes himself. Written in a comical way about the circles of energy you can create by hugging someone or holding their hand or fingers. Doesn't work for everyone, not for the hearts of stone. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say, um, that, the lyrics seem to have other things about uh, erections and things like that. So. <laughs> um, sex comes up quite uh, prevalently in Mikey's lyrics, it's got to be said. Um, and at one point... Um, Almost offensively, uh, but I can I'm say just, I'm gonna... I've just started reading the lyrics, and the last two, the last two sort of stanzas that I, I, can't, I can't read it. <laughs> uh, I think I'll read. I'll read part of it, and uh, uh, I'll go put on a Johnny, open the pack, then it's back flopping before me. <laughs> Mine starts to hurt. You scream and talk to me like I wish you could know exactly what I mean. Oh God. This is... I'm so wasted. I'd not last anyway. You'd think I suck and never see me again. <laughs> this is really like <laughs> this is existential horror. This is this is young men not really understanding relationships, pretty much. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it's it, it is definitely a product of these guys being young and not really understanding the nuance of writing memorable lyrics, but. Um, yeah, <laughs> but he's blazed. He's 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 absolutely baked. That's why he, that's why he can't keep it up. He says, he says my stoner loving finger hold. Mm. It's all um, about the, the naivety of trying to initiate coitus while being stoned out of your gills. So yeah, maybe 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 his description of the track is is uh, covering up an excuse for something a little bit more obvious there. But there you go. Um, this very much follows the same sort of mold as Pussyfoot and a lot of the heavier songs on this. It is pretty much a barrage of absolutely mental riffs um, just twisting and turning and going wherever the hell they want but still at the same time holding up a pretty traditional song structure there are returning melodies and choruses and verses um, it's a yeah it's a very traditional song structure just the actual elements of the song are pretty 
mad. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I really love about this song is the the bass solo that kicks in. Um, oh yes. So it's a and then you've got the uh, before you get the long bendy bass line. It it, rem- it it sounds like they're revving up a lawnmower before they're going to go <laughs> right over somebody in it. That yeah. it's 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 really good and it, it just gets the blood racing. It's like Pussy Fit. It's another song songs to mosh to. Yeah, yeah. Songs to so. mosh to, not necessarily songs to make love to. Yeah. Um, but I do think that again, I don't understand why they have. All the, all the crap singing and bizarre rapping when they've got a really quite good clean vocalist. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, I, I, as soon as I get into it, I think, oh, I can get into this. I like the singing. Then, then this rooster comes back again. <laughs> You've, he, his wings slightly singed and he's hungry for your blood. And it's, it, I understand where they're coming from, but I just find it so off putting. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. Again, I, I completely understand where you're coming from, but. Gen- I genuinely don't agree. <laughs> I don't want to like, yeah. harp on about it before for the whole album. No, no, no. Of course, it's a recurring but, thing. Yeah. So I've kind of written down where it particularly annoyed me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, this is another one of my favorite tracks on the album. But again, it's because I'm familiar with it prior because it was released on an EP. So yes. Ah, okay. Cool. Right. Now, um, things change up a little bit with the next track. Uh, Skies of Millennium Night. <laughs> This is one of the sort of later songs written for the album in particular. And I'd say this is this marks a point where things begin to sort of become a little bit more contemplative. Um, yeah, it gets a bit proggy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think the thing I remember about this song the most is actually just that intro riff. That uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Now I've written great opening riffs and I really like that, that chord progression again. Yeah. It's got a really nice, really nice build up to it. And um, I think um, vocally as well, I think you probably enjoyed this one a little bit more because it's a little bit more traditional in its sense that yes, it doesn't have as yes. mad uh, cartoony voices going on all the time. And it's I think got the it's got the gentle the gentle middle section where he's yeah, shouting yeah. "Look at the sky" a yeah, lot. Yep. Um, and uh, it, it is a really good track. This whenever I listen to the album the whole way through, uh, the first time this was my favorite one. Mm-hmm. But it's no, not no. right now, so that's not cheating. You can't say it's just your favorite track. <laughs> I've laid a trap for you. But yes, um, no, I, I, I've got a pretty good idea what your favourite track is, but we'll oh, get okay. to it. All right, we'll, get to All right. we'll see it, we'll see it with that. We'll <laughs> um, but yeah, Skies of Millennium Night, um, I, I like this song, don't get me wrong, and um, coming back to the album, I definitely found a, a bit of a new, a new appreciation for it, because I was listening to it more of more, more as an adult than I was as a child, because uh, I, I would have been about you know six, 15, 16 when I first heard this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, I haven't come back to the album for quite a while, so it was it was fun listening to a lot of these songs because um, they're not the ones I instantly go to, um, and I'd prob I'd say this was probably one I'd skip um, mm-hmm. in the long run. But it's not not that it's a bad song; it's just that. I prefer others, sort of thing. So um, we can we can never go for a car trip with this album on because you want to <laughs> skip the ones that I want to listen to, and vice versa. Um, I really love the ending of this song. I love that bit whenever um, I think I was out in the back garden, like hanging up some washing, listening to it, and I yeah. felt I could feel the the synth 
swirling around inside my head while the guitar started to take over and, mm-hmm. and take me away. And it, it, it fits the name well. Yeah, it's got yeah. that otherworldly feel of, you know, that that's what the, the skies of Millennium Night thing reminds me. It's they're looking up into space and mm-hmm. contemplating upon the infinite. It was really, it's a really nice way to end that track. No, no, totally. And I, I, and I, that, I like, I'm glad you picked up on that because uh, the atmospherics um, are something I really enjoy about this record. Uh, there's lots of songs that, uh, that come up uh, later where they add sort of effects and wind mm-hmm. howling and things like that and just and, yeah, and rain yeah. and stuff and um it it really builds this lovely just fulsome sort of environment and uh the, the songs flourish a lot more and uh yeah this would be one of the first songs on the record i suppose that does it um well if you can uh ignore the sheep i suppose <laughs> 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 on pussyfoot but yeah um but yes um, i like this song quite a lot uh a lot more progressive than the songs that have just come prior to it um but at the same time I think because the thing sort of slows down and the the pace, the uh, the middle of this album definitely uh, sort of plateaus and this is sort of the early signs of this. Um, So yeah, I I, I suppose it would be more of a a track to skip for me. So, but yeah, there we go. That's, those are my thoughts. Cool. Right. Now we are moving on to Emerson part one. It's nice, wee, nice wee filler. Well, you say filler, but when you, um, I think understanding the context of the song helps it a little bit more. So uh, the note, uh, the line of notes from Dan Weller read: "My dear friend Phil Emerson died on October fifth, two thousand. Growing up, we had dreamt of making music together. It makes me very sad." that he couldn't be here with, with us today to share my achievements. Without Phil's influence, I wouldn't be doing this now. This is my thank you to him. So this is a really touching little couple of... Um, this this comes in two in two parts. Oh, it's a completely nice. piano-led track. Um, there, there are no vocals. It's just the piano on its own, really. Uh, there are a, a, t- a touch of atmospherics. They, they add some sort of... You can hear children playing in a playground in, in, one, of the, in one of the passages. But the song was actually written as one, one massive phrase on its own um but on the album it's split into two parts and this is the first and i like the way they've done this actually because the first part actually feels very somber um the atmosphere yeah. is definitely sort of a darker tone and it, and it definitely matches the theme of you know a friend passing and things so um uh yeah i think context really sort of helps this song a little bit more yeah um, yeah you, you probably should have told me that before i barged in that's, that's, that's... <laughs> Totally my own fault. But yeah, no worries, no worries at all. I mean, like, you didn't have a physical copy to hand, so that's uh, it's completely understandable. But yes, I do really like um, the way Skies leads into this, because again, like I say, it, this this marks a point where the album's sort of beginning to uh, to slow its pace a little bit and uh, become a little bit more thoughtful. Yeah, it's a um, good... It's a good- Seg, it's a good kind of bridge between Skies and Millennium Night and Peep Show that comes afterwards, definitely. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, there's not really much more we can say about it, to be honest with you, because no, it, nice. it very much nice, stands on nice its own. Breather. So, yeah. That's right. It's a nice breather exactly, after the first exactly few that. songs. So, yes. And like you said, it does lead in to Peep Show, which I'm going to guess is your favourite song on the album. Yes. Yeah! <laughs> it totally is. It totally is. Ah, uh, uh, good stuff. It's also... If only I wasn't so... Okay. <laughs> it's so also one of my favourites, actually. And listening to it again recently, I totally forgot how excellent Justin's vocals are. The, mm. the range on this song is fantastic. These 
Um, he really just, it's a lovely sweeping melody, uh, a lot of texture to it. It's really beautiful to listen to. And he does drop from quite a low register to really high soaring vocal. Yeah, no, the, um, the whole thing, the whole thing is really good, really mm. dynamic. Um, uh, what did I like about it? Pretty much everything. Um, I, I thought the screaming was a lot better than earlier tracks and it blended very well into the vocals. Well, Mikey doesn't appear on this song at all. It's completely, ah, it's completely Justin. Okay. So yeah. Just as well, I'm not their band manager. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, a really beautiful song, actually. Um, I'll have a look and see at the line notes. Uh, basically, very short little thing from Justin. Uh, some people try too hard to involve themselves in the lives of others. This song is about them. So yeah, it's obviously, uh, you know, just a comment on <laughs> but it's, he it's, doesn't it's, like, I suppose. <laughs> it's very good. And again, there's another killer drum track. And mm, uh, very much I was so. thinking, I was thinking about it. Last night, I was actually, it was, uh, I was watching somebody cover the drums from, uh, Meshuggah's Bleed. Oh, okay. And, uh, and I started watching all these drum covers of Sixth, and I was like, wow, it's like, drums are really the best bit for me, mm-hmm. but a lot of prog and tech metal. I love the intricacy of it, especially yep. whenever it, it either complements or even matches the guitar melodies. Um, yep. and I wish the whole album was like this, to, to be honest. If, if we did 12 tracks of that, I would have been, Having a lovely time, <laughs> as opposed to a merely pretty good time. But this is one of the things I really like about the album as a whole, actually, is that this is really diverse. Like, if you compare it to everything else on the record, um, it proper stands out. And I do like the fact that this album doesn't really have a particular sound that continues throughout the entire record. I think yeah. they're very creative with what they with what they do. And um, I love that... I, I, in a weird way, I really like that this stands alone, to be honest with you, um, because it's such a, it, it's really, so it, it has an identity of its own, basically. So, uh, Well, yeah. my, I was chatting to my brother about this last night, because um, he obviously listens to the show. He was the one who's pissy boiled. And <laughs> um, he uh, was saying he listened to some of the song previews on iTunes, and he thought, oh, the, the, the screaming in this is absolutely terrible. And that is a guy that likes black metal. Um <laughs> But I said, no, no, I said a link to Peep Show. And the other one, which I think is perhaps my favorite song out of all of the sick stuff I've listened to, which is uh, Where Do We Fall okay. from Death of a Dead Day, Yep, um, which is another similar kind of structure. Again, you know, really nice singing, just uh, more, more mellow, but yeah, no less intricate and, and proggy song. Mm-hmm. Um, so, they, yeah, they definitely have their moments. And okay, even if I... Really can't stand some of the songs in this, yeah, and yeah. will likely never listen to them again. I think there's, a, <laughs> I think there's something for everyone in here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I genuinely think there's going to be songs that there's going to be at least one song in this that people will like, um, and this is probably one of the songs that if you were rubbed up the wrong way by some of the earlier music, this was a a really pleasant surprise. Mm, no, completely. And you'll be pleased to know as well that this was chosen as the other single off the album. So oh, there's a there's a there's okay. a music video for this as well if you want to go and check that out at some point. Um, but yeah, Peep Show, um, definitely an album highlight for me as well. Um, I really like this song quite a lot. And uh, coming back to it now as well, I definitely uh, felt more of a stronger attachment to it than I did previously. Because again, I, when you're growing up with metal and things, you just want things to be heavy and loud. And I think yeah. probably as a kid, I probably ignored this a little bit more then I probably should have because uh, coming back to it now was like this is a really impressive song like everybody Did you think it was is. a bit too emo um I uh, think probably as a kid yeah I was probably ignoring it for that very reason um but yeah def- I think nowadays I think I I 
put those things aside now and you know <laughs> don't worry so, about don't worry about the um pigeonholing things in genres and stuff because it's it's you're just going to miss good opportunities like this i think uh, it's uh, it was it's a shame that i wrote it, wrote it so off previously so well, yeah Everybody makes mistakes. <laughs> well, there uh, you go. So, but next yes. track is "Wait for Something Wild," and this track really is wild. It kind of it explodes out of the back of Peep Show, and mm. it's full of energy and aggression in the drums and the guitars. And a, a massive fat riff always wins me over, in spite yeah, yeah. of the screaming. But, uh, and the show notes that I've written here say, Jesus Christ, the screaming is so annoying, it's a bit disappointing, the strangled chicken vocals are killing me. <laughs> <laughs> I've written, I've written, uh, uh, it's like an obituary, <laughs> somebody found me in this Evernote file, they could find out what led to my demise. <laughs> but, uh, but it's got a lot of punch to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Um, and I think it's one of the songs that the band's really quite proud of, actually. Um, I think they, they talk specifically somewhere in these liner notes about performing it on, um, they got invited into a radio live session and did it. And the, 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 the sort of feedback they were getting on it at, at the time was like really positive. So they were, mm-hmm. they were quite happy to sort of go with it as it, in a weird way, it's almost the title track because, um, yeah, wait for something wild is the second part of the phrase used for the title of the album. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, um, again, this in a similar way to Scars of Millennium Night, I like the song. Don't get me wrong; there's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. But at the same time, its its pace is a lot sort of uh, more uh, careful. They're definitely more uh, thoughtful about uh, the speed of it. It's not as aggressive and intense as some of their previous songs. Um, but it does have some great phrases. Uh, I really like. The spin, swim, scream, like rep- mm-hmm. repetition that happens near the end, um, and it just gives it all this mad, wild. It actually ends on that on its own, doesn't it? Like just the, th- the two of the vocalists just yeah, repeating it over yeah. and over again, and just bonkers. Yeah, over and over again, <laughs> turmoil, over and over and over again. Um, I, there is one bit where I really liked in the song, which is the middle section with the the long drum roll and the bass groove. It was good. Oh yes, I know what you're on about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, mm. like um, as much as I like the song, it's probably not one I would pick out. To, yeah. if, say, like if I was, yeah, if I was putting on an ex- a, a good example of this record, I probably wouldn't pick this one out, sort of thing. So it would it would it would Fair more than likely become a skipper. But yeah, um, cool. I think it's time to move on to Tupelo, which I've <laughs> Tupelo, Tupelo. Yeah, I, I now oh, I love this cover. <laughs> Now, um, I hadn't actually checked out the original version until you were speaking uh, about... Until I, like, yeah, until yeah, I said yeah. I'd been listening to it. So um, I did that, and I was really surprised at how close this is to the original So was version. I. Mm. So was I, because I thought, oh, these guys are mad bastards. You know, yeah, this, yeah. I well, wonder what the original is going to be like, and that was what piqued my curiosity. But it's actually very close to the original. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's actually quite interesting, uh, because um, Mikey's obviously very heavily influenced by Nick Cave because he's got a very similar sort of cartoony characterful voice and uh, he gets to really sort of flex that on this um, he basically is just paying homage to one of his heroes and it, interestingly after Sixth um, Mikey formed a band called Sad Season which didn't 
um, really get around to recording anything. But they featured members from Million Dead, uh, Frank Turner's hardcore band, and also members of Bat for Lashes, of all people. Oh, that's and, um, interesting. Their style was very much... Uh, Nick Cave. Um, that was th- their biggest influence. Uh, th- a, a lot of the um, articles about their gigs and stuff was always that they were sort of a, a slower, moodier band um, in the style of Nick Cave. And uh, yeah, I, I, I love that they they cover this because it just it puts that influence right at the forefront. You can you can tell like this is one of Mikey's heroes essentially, and he's uh, he's paying homage to him on this cover yeah. pretty much. But yeah, but and it's, uh, I I mean I think. Well, it's interesting because I'm looking at the, the lyrics now. And, mm. uh, what was the, what was the one I picked up? Yeah. Why the hen won't lay no egg, can't get that cock to crow. But in my, <laughs> but in my notes, I've written that, uh, it's Jim Morrison back from the grave, possessed by the rooster from the earlier tracks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not a massive fan of Nick Cave. And I think this really causes the album to sag. It is so long and it is really quite repetitive. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah, I was just I I didn't think I was going to make it. Mm. Um, well, the thing is as well, um, it unfortunately doesn't really stand alone in that the the song that follows it, "Can't We All Dream," is basically Sixth's interpretation or like you know their own kind of mm-hmm. spin on a very similar style of song, um, and in a weird way, I kind of like that actually because they establish outright look. look there's, this is this is an artist that we enjoy and is influential to us. And then this, the song that follows it is basically sixth take on Nick Cave. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it does feel like the two songs are almost uh, in, interpolated. Um, so so it, this is oh. a this is a long old passage of record for you to be completely bored by. I've got to be said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, can't we all dream? Um, I mean, I'm not a big fan of can't we all dream. No, so, I, I yeah. thought it was absolute dross. Um, are you a big fan of the Doors? Um, I've never really sort of okay. bothered to check them out, to be honest well, with you. Well, whenever I was a long-haired hippie in sixth form and early university, I yeah, worked yeah. my way through the Doors back catalogue. And I do like their stuff. I really like their later albums. They're very bluesy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what happened after Jim Morrison had left the Doors um, before he died, um, he did this thing called An American Dream, where it was a recorded spoken word poetry compilation. Right, right. And this does not sound that dissimilar from it. Oh, okay. But it reminds me of the doors that they're most pretentious. Yeah. <laughs> Jim Morrison-esque howling into the abyss, um, especially at the end, which is a full two minutes of him saying, can't we all dream with no yeah. backing? And I was dreaming of the next track. I thought it was never going to end. And <laughs> it, I just, yeah. That, that outro it, in particular yeah. as well really annoys me because um, he's not in tune at all. And <laughs> we all dream. <laughs> yeah. And it just gets so That's dragged out. Dead on. Oh, like, man. If you yeah. if you want to if you don't if you want to save yourself the hassle of listening to this song, Alan just did it for you. Can't <laughs> we all dream just over and over for two yeah. minutes? Yeah. Can't we all dream? Can't we all dream? Can't we all dream? So yes, that. It's definitely the weakest point of the album for me. Um, oh. It's something I'd never bother really listening to ever <laughs> absolute, again. Absolute, um, absolute clangor. Absolute yeah, clangor. Yeah. But I've got to say, I do really like Chup- the Tupelo cover, just because, um, again, I like I like that it gives Can't We All Dream some context, but I also like the fact that it's so 
again, it, it, it's it's same similar reasons why I like Peep Show. It's so different. It mm. shows another side well, of the I band. Think the, the first uh, time I heard Tip Below, I uh, was not into it, and then by my third or fourth, but I was like, ah, have your fun. I don't mind as long as you're enjoying, <laughs> as long as you're enjoying yourself, and, and they're clearly enjoying themselves. And, oh, you know, completely. And 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 can't we all dream of doing a uh, cover of our favorite artist? Let them have their fun. <laughs> Definitely. Cool. Right, now we move on to How May I Help You, which is probably the proggiest track on the record. So there are oh, no... Oh, we've got, we've got Emerson Part 2. There's an Emerson oh, Part 2. Oh, sorry, two. And yep. It, and it's, and it's nice again. It. Nice bit of piano. Yep, yep. Um, uh, We should mention, actually, because um, I, this the second part of uh, Emerson uh, definitely feels more uplifting, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. It feels like there's a little bit more sort of hope to this, this part. And, uh, yeah, and again, it's very good thematically. It, it ties in with the whole purpose of the song you know with a friend passing and stuff i really like the 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 ancient ringtone at the end that took me back to the early 2000s well this is this is quite interesting because um the original intro to how may i help you has this sort of um sort of wind howling and then there's like a buzzard squawking in the distance and stuff and it gives it a little bit of atmosphere as it starts and that's one of the things i didn't particularly like about this version is that it lacks it and instead has this weird sort of um it's basically the riff from the start of how may i help you but as like a nokia 3310 ringtone (laughs) (laughs) it's really strange um but yeah it doesn't have that it doesn't kick off with the same sort of atmosphere that the original version has But I've got to say, How May I Help You is easily one of my favourite six songs. Um, there, there's this thing with this song that's um, a little bit more uh, different in comparison to the, the, the other heavier songs is that um, it's very progressive. There are no returning melodies. Um, mm. Once a riff is uh, you know, past its course, it never comes back sort of thing. And there's a running story throughout this. And it's basically yeah. just a case of um, a character called Rodney who <laughs> is alone and doesn't know what to do with his life and just, you know, wants a partner and things. And he gets a job working as a uh, cabin boy on a, on a, on a ship. <laughs> as you do. Uh, yeah. Uh, meets a woman who he falls in love with, finds out that the woman has been sleeping around with everybody in the local bar and then decides to put laxatives into the tea of everybody in the bar <laughs> as revenge. And that's the end of the song. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's um, I like this a lot, um, this sort of story element to it because it basically allows Mikey to go absolutely mental with his characters he basically voices a series of characters throughout the entire song um, yeah this is one of the songs where I thought that the, the screaming was in some way justified because it becomes increasingly unhinged as the song goes on and I really yeah, like yeah. that and I like that intricacy to it again it's really melodically interesting yeah yeah and um, yeah I, I, I would say if, if I hadn't picked Pussyfoot as my favourite this would probably come, uh, come close second oh, because okay. um, it's one of my favourite songs by the band but I'm just not as keen on this version as I am the one that appears on the How May I Help You EP, which definitely feels just a little bit more in your face. It, 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 it's uh, it's a I, I find that a lot with the original versions. They seem like they're performed with a lot more energy, a little bit more passion to them, and these ones definitely feel like they're, they're tried and tested by this point. You know, they, they the band have set into their groove and they're, they're playing them with a little bit more um, thought, I suppose, or just carefulness. Um, but yeah, nothing. No offence to the song, I love it, but uh, the album version, I, I'm not so keen on, but yeah. Uh, if you go and check out the music video, How I'll Help You, that uses the um, EP version, and that's quite, oh, okay. quite widely available on YouTube if you want to go and watch it. Excellent. 
Hooray for YouTube. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, if I remember correctly as well, like the only version that seems to be kicking around is one just recorded off MTV2. <laughs> so it has like the banner at the bottom and stuff. Um, but yes. All right. We're getting on to sort of the last sort of few songs now. I think, yeah. Actually. Yeah. Um, so we're on to If You Weren't So Perfect, which again appears off the first EP. <laughs> I like this song, but I yeah, feel this. I like it too. I feel this version's a little bit um, lazy. It doesn't feel nearly as um, punchy as the original version, especially um, Justin's sort of uh, "fell in love" vocal. Um, it just—it's a bit like. Mm, see, I uh, quite—I—I—I I, I quite like the haunting sort of opening to it, an interesting minor progression that's working its mm. way through the whole song, and I kind of like the ghostly singing. I oh, do okay. think I do think that I can get into sixth much better. Whenever they've got, well, I would call it real singing. Okay, yeah, yeah. And this song epitomizes everything I really like about the band and everything I can't stand in one song. <laughs> well, and this is the thing, this, written, and it's probably one of the yeah. reasons why I like it, actually, yeah. is when it stops and changes and goes really heavy. I can't! <laughs> um, I, I really like the stop-start nature of it. Uh, but I, I, of course, written clearly, they're not so perfect. <laughs> Well, there you go. Um, but um, there... as, um, oh, what was it? I think it was uh, Eurogamer's review of Portal 2 where they said it wasn't perfect. It was so much more interesting than that. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's true about this. But yeah, no, it's it's a it's a very um, weird song. It's I suppose it's a quite progressive as well, but actually do some of the melodies do return throughout the, throughout the song, um, especially the way it sort of leads off the gentler like uh, Justin Melody into that really sort of aggressive stop start um, Mikey screaming section um, but yeah uh, again I was overly familiar with the song which is probably why the album version doesn't really do as much for me because it feels slower actually like uh, the tempo of the original is okay. just a little bit quicker and it gives it some real oomph and yeah I think this version kind of lacks that a little bit but no no offence to the song, it's still one of my favourites by the band. I just don't think that this version is nearly as good as what had come previously. Right, um, now, this is quite an interesting one. And I um, I hadn't realised this until now, actually. Uh, but yeah, Such the Fool uh, is the name of the song. It's the lead song of their first EP, and it comes re-recorded here. Um, this is quite a peculiar one in that the lyrics um, for this song are completely omitted from the album booklet, and it's the only uh, one. The I only think one I that know does why. That. Looking at them right now, yeah, they're incredibly misogynistic. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really it's really quite disgusting, um, and it's. It's it's a shame because I really love the song, but I can't agree with the fact that the lyrics are just so horrible. Um, and the band, in a weird way, they sort of make an excuse. Um, so let me find the liner notes actually for talking about such a fool. Because yeah, here we go. So Mikey, a song written long, long ago in a darkly humorous manner. Such a fool is brutal in terms of subject matter, inspired by men and women in modern day society. Such a fool is an extreme fictional character who is both male and female. Take the lyrical content here with a large pinch of salt. Now that sounds to me like he's making an excuse for being misogynistic, but if that is generally the case, then all right, I'll give him benefit of the doubt. 
that he's created this weird character where he's living sort of a horrible misogynistic fantasy through. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't see any reason to believe here that um, based based on the the lyrics that this is anything to do with uh, what could be a man or a woman. Yeah, pretty it definitely. Every, pretty much every slur is directed at, at women. Well, yeah, definitely. I think "bitch" features quite heavily in this. Um, so, yeah, yeah, lyrically, you're, you're on a carousel with no horses. You just slide up and down on the poles. Oh, it's so bad. Oh, and that is that's the only thing I'm going to read out here because, as I say, yeah, we're, we're get, this we're, is we're pretty intense. Try and make, try and yeah. make it clean. Um, obviously, um, the albums we're going to cover are not going to necessarily be clean. Yeah, but I thought that people should be able to listen to the podcast without. Uh, you know, I want everybody to be able to listen to. Of them. course, of course, and um, again. I've, I, I mean, I saw Sixth at an all-ages show, and they were just as, you know, <laughs> foul-mouthed. Um, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to say, you know, that it's okay for minors to be able to listen to this sort of thing. Um, it's completely up to. Uh, well, that's why we have parental guidance stickers. Yeah. Um, and I would hope that uh, people will listen to the show in a very sort of similar sense. If you are happy to uh, expose minors to this sort of content then fine but at the same time just tell them it's a bit of fictional character and (laughs) take the lyrics with a massive pinch of salt well Uh, yeah that's the thing Um, but yeah it's a shame because like I say I really like the song it's one of the most intense songs Um, there is uh, some absolutely mental riffing going on here Um, drumming is absolutely fantastic really intense really yeah, good stuff the the rhythms actually remind me a little of system of a down yeah right down to that the singing screaming dichotomy and the way it all mm. mashes together that's what it most reminded me of it's gonna yeah, yeah. more of a i don't know what you say more of a hardcore feel Mm-mm, definitely C- there is com- a sort of a punk compared vibe to this. To, yeah compared to the songs are a lot more prog rocky or well not prog metal i guess technically yeah, yeah um but it's a it's an interesting song i think I don't know if you'd agree with this, probably not, but I feel like by this point the album has gone on for quite a long time. We're nearly at an hour long, and yeah, especially yeah. off the back of Tupelo, Can't We All Dream, I needed to recover a little from that, and mm. I think that's why I didn't give this song as much attention as I probably should have. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, it, it is quite a long one. Yeah, yeah. well, I'm, I'm, I don't know if this... This song isn't particularly long itself, but yeah, it's, no, but it's the album itself. Yeah, yeah, the the running time definitely, and I I can see like this with the sag in the middle. Uh, I think you 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 could you could easily lose your interest in the last uh, yeah. sort of, which third, is a I shame, guess. which is a you know, real shame. But mm. uh, yeah, it's good, it's good, it's a good track. It's um, really, really. Really, quite unfortunate lyrics. I don't think I can That's stress the thing. that enough. Yeah. Every uh, time, every time I look across at my computer screen, I'm horrified by something else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a real shame because, um, I, I, like I say, I hold this band in such high regard, and uh, knowing that that song exists is really sort of, um, it, it's. I, I have to sort of separate the art from the artist a little bit, um, because yeah. yeah, it's. I'm a little bit worried that Mikey actually believes those things. So yeah, mm. um, right. This is the final track of the album, and uh, this establishes a returning Mikey Goodman sort of uh, cliche in that uh, he's he's a poet, I suppose, and uh, this is basically a uh, a poem that he's written and recorded as, again, sort of several characters with this weird sort of overlaying vocal effect. There is no instrumentation here whatsoever, and but it's, it's a strange thing as well because we were talking about the lyrics and how juvenile and sometimes they can be quite offensive. This feels like it was. There's some real thought in this. There's, there's some real. It creates some amazing imagery and things. And I really like the wild bones, wild <laughs> bones. I, I love all that sort of thing. Um, and 
it it really plays to his strengths I, because he he loves all this sort of characterization and creating weird voices and going a bit mad and it just definitely just like it's a real sort of like here's the inner workings of my brains <laughs> as a song sort of thing or, well not even a song as just a yeah, I I don't know it, it oh I well my notes are just what a load of bollocks <laughs> those are all my notes I I don't know I I thought it was just some throwaway dog roll verse at the end really pretentious yeah yeah and just yeah i i, I just uh, i did listen to the whole thing twice yep. at least but i did think okay guys come on let's wrap this up you know people, <laughs> people turning the lights on and shouting last orders um yeah it's and i it's kind of like i mentioned in the first episode i don't like disposable intros i don't like disposable outros either yeah, yeah. no that's fair enough <laughs> um, and i can i can totally see again i can see, clearly see where you're coming from but part of what i like about mikey is this weird sort of unhinged character unpredictability stuff. Yeah. yeah yeah and um i really like these sort of things there's another one uh mermaid slur which appears on the second album uh, which is also a death uh, of the dead day classic. yep and he also does it on our other iron maiden link so uh mikey went on to record an album with adrian smith Oh, okay. Uh, and the band, well, I say band, the project is called Primal Rock, Re- Primal Rock Rebellion. Sorry. <laughs> A lot of alliterative there. And, um, <laughs> it's often regarded as quite an interesting little, um, piece because it's, it is very much a melding of both those men. It, it, Mikey is prevalent as being this mad, insane, just, ca- you know, cartoony vocalist uh and he puts that on top of adrian smith who is very much a classic heavy metal guitarist and uh they create a really interesting album if you it's i think it's very limited in its appeal because how many sixth fans are also iron maiden fans i suppose there probably would be quite a few because metal is sample of two (laughs) maybe not that many well yeah um but you know, metal is quite a broad thing, so maybe I'm maybe I'm being a little bit uh, <laughs> yeah. negative there. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a strange one. I didn't really get on with it too well because instrumentation-wise, it's very Adrian Smith. But I'm you know obviously quite a big Mikey Goodman fan, so it, it didn't really give me the sort of thing I wanted. But there is also another just vocal um, song by Mikey on that album. Um, there is uh, some slight sort of atmospherics to it. I don't, I, don't I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call it instrumentation, but it's yeah, it's the it's the one with the most music in inverted commas, I yeah. suppose. But Mermaid Slur is only forty-seven seconds long. This is a good three and a half minutes. Yeah, this is actual uh, song length. So yeah, yeah. Wild Bones. Wild bones, wait! The Yeti no longer has a home. But yeah, there you but, go. That but anywho, is... we've made it. We've made it. Um, overall, overall impressions were then the first time I'd listened the whole way through it. I thought, nah, this really isn't for me. But I yeah, did yeah. give it a few more lessons and it grew on me a bit. Um, and I, I, I think, I don't know. I mean, I've only listened to Death of a Dead Day once, and so I don't know if I enjoyed it more as an album or if it's because i had learned to appreciate sixth more by that point mm. i think um, you'd like death of a dead day an awful lot more it's yeah. a lot more consistent there's definite like running theme throughout that record which this one doesn't have it's very uh this one is a lot more diverse there's a lot more going on um and for me personally that's why i like it um yeah. so if i would say if you don't get on with this album i would easily recommend death of a dead day Give that a go. See if that's more your style. Because yeah, like I say, there thematically that album feels more consistent, and mm-hmm. uh, it's not as wild. Um, what would you recommend elsewise for tech, um, tech lovers? So, so I've got two picks that are kind of, I guess, they're different 
takes on genty kind of music yep um rather than tech metal which i'm not a big expert in the first one is a band we mentioned earlier mashuga and the album's called obzen yep um, Good choice. Now, and there's only one song you particularly need to listen to this which is called bleed which is one of the most unrelenting technically outstanding metal songs ever and has <laughs> the most incredible drums and i urge you to look up uh forget the name of the guy but he teaches drums um and he plays the whole way through the song and then he explains it because it's a it's a double 30 second note into a bunch of 16s pattern and it's absolutely unbelievable Mm. Really, really good. Um, but Obzen's like a really good Meshuggah album. I'll give you an idea of, uh, I guess, a more Swedish take on it, if you like. Yep. Um, the other album I thought would be good um, is by an Indian band called Sky Harbor, uh, and the ba- and the album's called Guiding Lights. Um, this came out last year. I actually saw them touring in the UK a few months ago. Um, Guiding Lights is kind of the lighter side of Gent. There's a lot of melody and harmony, um, but there is still a technical intricacy that gives it some bite as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is much more prog metal-y. Um, yep, yep. but it's not too pretentious so um i think it's a, it, it's definitely a much lighter one yep. um but those were two albums i thought hey give those a crack if we're going to talk about sky harbor we should probably mention tesseract as well um because yeah, so that, yeah. the vocalist for sky harbor was previously in tesseract and tesseract are also a very sort of softer more proggy metal band in um, the same sort of vein what's good um, tesseract one altered state altered state's good tesseract album um I much prefer one, so that's okay. fine. <laughs> so yeah, listen to go. both There's of them a, and then tell us your favourite. But yeah, the albums I picked in particular uh, that I would also recommend off the back of Sixth are Process to Heroes Kaisha. Um, ah, okay. Kaisha. Uh, I'm not entirely sure how you I have no it. idea how to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, again, it's a, a very sort of wild, mad sort of tech metal record. Um, it's a little bit uh, looser, I suppose, in its style. It feels a little bit more like it flows in a nice way. Um, but yeah, one of my favourites. And um, I wanted to recommend something that, was, that wasn't that was British as well. So, you know, I moved out of my comfort zone a little bit. So the other one I've also decided to choose is, uh, I'm going to choose a Between the Buried and Me album. Um, Ooh, okay. I want to choose the latest one, uh, Parallax 2. Um, which is a re- is a fantastic album. I really enjoy it, uh, and lots of passages, lots of sixth stuff reminds me of Between the Buried and Me. Between I, the Buried I and have me, not heard that one. I think I've listened to Colors. You, you, we have spoken about this in the past, so yes. Okay. Um, but yeah, <laughs> thank you for being my memory. <laughs> it's all good. Don't worry about it. But yeah, as much as I love Colors, don't get me wrong. Um, there's something about the new one which I really like. Again, it's it's very cohesive, but at the same time, um, it's very progressive. So yeah. Those are my picks. Oh, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick one more just out of just just to be annoying because for, for heaven's uh, sake, <laughs> who do you think this is? <laughs> there's a there's an Italian band I think they are uh, called Destrage, D E S T R A G E. I've heard of them, and they released an album last year called Are You Kidding Me? No. <laughs> oh, that that album is really off the off the wall, uh, and it really reminds me of Sixth. Uh, they've they, that 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 would. I would hazard a bet that Sixth are probably one of their main influences. So if you want something similar to Strage, uh, are you kidding me? No. There you go. Right. We had a few comments and feedback regarding Sixth okay. uh, that I'm now going to go through. So on Twitter, we received a message from at Mad Quills. Oh, that's uh, uh, Danny, Danny Watterson. Okay. I wasn't familiar with the man, but yes. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so yes, uh, he was saying... Um, 
from from tearing up a tiny St. Albans pub, the Horn, at a homecoming show, to hanging out at the youth club called The Pioneer, where all metal bands hung out. And I offered Mikey a tenner to pay to buy the promotion company he started. <laughs> um, I asked, actually, whether or not that was um, Unparalleled Carousel, because that um, that logo and that name appears on a few of the... Uh, sixth albums, and I've always wondered what it was because it's not the record label, mm. uh, so it might be the promo company. But um, yeah, he he couldn't he couldn't remember to be honest. <laughs> he was too, he was too starstruck combined with being drunk and cocky. <laughs> um, so yeah, <laughs> that, that was a nice well. story. So um, cool. Uh, I also got some stuff on Facebook. Uh, my good friend Stephen Robinson. He was like. I'm not very partic- I'm not good at comments, but this album is basically my youth. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, well, I'm- you've you've uh, kept a friend, and I made an enemy. So yeah, um, I'm, I'm 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 very good friends with Steve. We in fact went to uh, those early sixth shows that I was talking about earlier together. Um, so yeah, uh, and I also got something from my partner in crime, Louis Kong, and he said, "Let me find out." Oh, come on, phone. Load up quicker. Right, there we go. Can you look at this on your phone? Yeah. Come on, man. Uh, You know, I don't want to make... I'm I'm recording things on the PC. I don't want to (laughs) accidentally muck around. Um, (laughs) Right, he said, (laughs) this album definitely influenced by musical tastes. I picked this up after buying a Dillinger Escape Plan album, and I never looked back. Sixth were also the first band I saw live as a kid. Wow. That's that's an introduction and a half. That's good. That's that's good. That's a lot of of happy memories. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's obviously... Some love to this band, as uh, as per what I've experienced, <laughs> you know, put out, but not so much as what Alan has said. But there you go. <laughs> so I guess there is the usual way to bookend this, which is to say, if you like the show, we'd really appreciate if you left us a review on iTunes. Um, yep. That is very important. Um, if you look at the podcasts on iTunes and go to the music category, you will see that the highest rock one is the Kerrang! podcast and there hasn't been a new episode of that since 2007. So let's get Ooh. rid of them. Let mm. us let us become the kings of the metal realm. Because um, <laughs> there's too many dance music mixes on the iTunes podcast section. <laughs> And we can make this right. We can make it better. So if you leave us a review, if you subscribe, tell your friends about us, um, all those things will really help promote us. You can ask us questions and go to our website at castironshow.co.uk. And you can also follow us on Twitter at castironshow. Um, next time, we will be listening to... Deer and Grey's Ouroboros. Um, so, yeah, we've decided that we're going to tackle Deer and Grey for the next show, um, regardless of... Who was picking it? <laughs> yeah, the, well, um, it's 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 technically your pick because I couldn't yeah. think of two for the next one. So yeah. <laughs> no, that's um, fine. But it seemed like it was the obvious choice because we are going to go and see them next week, and um, they are one of my favourite bands. And I know I've introduced Alan to them as well, so yeah. um, I'm really looking forward to tackling that album and just seeing what they're like live as well because I'm, regardless of the fact that they're one of my favourite bands never seen them live I'm looking so, forward yeah. to everything about it except trying to pronounce the song names <laughs> well there you go okay. um, but yes so that will be the next episode of Cast Iron Show like I say if you want to subscribe you can do so at itunes.castironshow.co.uk we would really appreciate if you do and please tune in next time where we'll be talking Deer and Grey so, yeah thanks for listening see you next time bye bye